you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at liveonfourlegspod. You can call me Al, you can call me Ed, you just, just fucking call me, why don't you? Hey everybody now, welcome to Live on Four Legs, the definitive live Pearl Jam podcast, and this episode is a little something different. If you remember two months ago, we did this whole 1992 thing, and we we went through some of the Holland shows from 1992, and we capped off our little series with the Unplugged show, of course, because it was the 30th year anniversary of Unplugged. After every episode, essentially from the start of 2022, after every episode, we were asking... Do you know anybody that was at the Unplugged show? We would love to talk to them. And we didn't hear from anybody. However, literally the day that the Unplugged episode comes out, we hear from somebody and we get to talk to him today. Very excited for this. Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there. Hello. Uh, yeah, this was kind of a uh, a happy accident, if you will. Like it's It's sort of fate that it worked out that on the day that the episode comes out, we get a message saying like, oh yeah, I was there. So yeah, let's, let's get into it. I'm excited to talk to him. Look, better late than never. That's, and this story is always evergreen. And, you know, this is also a show and, and this isn't going to be a surprise to anybody that people always go back to and always listen to. So look, if he got in touch in 2024, we still be doing this interview because it's so hard to find anybody that was in the building that night. Ladies and gentlemen, we have one here with us. Ken Lesnick, welcome to the show. Welcome. Guys, thank you. That was a hell of a buildup. I I, <laughs> I, I hope I can live up to it, uh, but it's good to be here. I, uh, I'm a big fan. And um, blown away by the Unplugged episode. Really brought back a lot of great memories. And um, yeah, just by happenstance, I, I actually, I still have that ticket from that show. And uh, when you guys posted on Twitter, I was like, yeah, I was at the show. Here, here's my ticket. And you were like, let's talk. So uh, good to be here with you tonight. So thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much for all the kind words. And we're just, look, let's rip off the Band-Aid. Let's just get into it. You know, 1992, at, at this time, 10 had been out for, let's say, seven or eight months. I the math, the math is a little bit off, but about seven or eight months or so. And the band is just starting to kind of rise. Alive is out. Even Flow might be circulating around the radio at the time, but the video wasn't quite out yet. So people are starting to get to know, and especially because Nirvana blew up that, that, that fall, everybody kind of wants the piece of Seattle now. So Pearl Jam was starting to get intertwined into the mix and started to be a part of it. But this is very, very early on in their, their rise to popularity. So how did this all happen? Like, how were you able to acquire tickets to the show? Well, I, um, that's a great question. It actually starts... In, uh, in late summer 89, where a buddy of mine took a job at, at MTV, and he asked me to come and join him there. So I was actually an employee at MTV, just young kid, just a couple of years out of college, went to work in their marketing department. And honestly, it was a great time because um, 
a lot of people my age my boss is only a few years older than me it was it was just a really great time to be there and it was mtv right i mean i i, I remember when it, it 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 launched i was in high school when it launched so here i am just a couple of years later working there so i would think fast forward to summer of 91 or so you know when you work at mtv you make a lot of friends in the industry and um, I had a friend at uh, Columbia Records who put me on their mailing list. And one day, a package arrives, and I open it up, and it's this Pearl Jam record, 10. I didn't know the band, never heard of them. Put it into my little boombox and was blown away. Absolutely blown away by this band. And I just, it's all I played for literally weeks, all I played. Fast forward to January of 92, and I decide I'm, I'm leaving MTV. They had, uh, they had a corporate takeover. There were some layoffs. I was at school at night. I decide, all right, I'm going to head out to California and just chill out with some friends for a, a week or so. And while I was out there, one of my friends said, oh, I've got these tickets uh, for this Rock for Choice benefit at the Hollywood Palladium. Now, this is late January of 92. And the one of the four or five bands was Pearl Jam. I'm like, I'm in, let's go. I want to see these guys live. And we went to the show and they were the opening act of, I don't know, four or five bands. I think L7 headlined that night. And they blew me away. And they blew everyone else away because the minute they left the stage, most of the place cleared out. It was like nothing I had ever seen before. It was really, wow, these guys are unbelievable. I got to see them in New York. Fast forward to March of 92, I'm hanging out with some MTV friends um, back in New York City. They have, I think Wayne's World had just been released around that time. And MTV was doing some promotion at some restaurant in New York, big, big MTV promo. So they invite me. So I go and the thing ends at like 11 o'clock and they're all jumping into cars and they're like, come with us. I'm like, where are you going? We're going to see Pearl Jam's Unplugged in, I think it was Long Island City. Somewhere in Long Island City. You guys would know better than me. A story, uh, I believe. Right? It's a story. Coffin Studios. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, th- thank you. There you go. So I, I had no idea they were doing the Unplugged. I was just hanging out with my friends on a, on a night. And they throw me into the car. And off we go. And I get handed a ticket when we get there. And just kind of found myself in the second row. And it was many, many years later as I was watching on maybe YouTube. I actually found myself, my 26-year-old self, sitting, like, I don't know, 10 or 15 seconds into State of Love and Trust. There's a shot from behind Eddie. And there I am in the second row. I was like, (laughs) oh, my God. I'd never seen it before. So uh, that's how I got in. And they they walked us in. I remember, um, I seem to recall the band was still on stage, and and maybe they were still rehearsing, Um, you know, seating was really just kind of luck of the draw you didn't know where you were going to be you could be behind the band you could be in front of the band on camera most of us i didn't think i'd be on camera um and i just i got very lucky that they placed me in the second row um for this obviously and it was great then and i remember thinking oh my god i can't believe what i'm watching but obviously in hindsight it is just one of those magical moments in this career of a band that's had a lot of magical moments. But for me, it was probably, you know, it's right up there. You never forget your first time seeing them. And certainly that LA show was, was just mind boggling, but seeing the unplugged, certainly in hindsight, 
I went, wow, I've done a lot of really cool things, but that, that was pretty cool. So that, that was kind of how I ended up there. Really just total stroke of luck. Um, didn't have to camp out for a ticket. And we just thrown into the back of a car with a couple of friends who happened to work for MTV. And, uh, and they dragged me to uh, like the show of a lifetime, really. So, Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> piece by piece on that. Oh, my goodness. From, you know, the, the working at MTV and getting to, to know people. And, and I, I, I'm always in favor and, and working in the television industry for about 10, 15 years myself. Like, y- you have to talk to people. You have to know people. And, yeah, you just don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what people have, where they're going to invite you. And you're absolutely in both scenarios. They're in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And don't forget back then, you know, when, when MTV launched the unplug series, um, it was, it was brand new. I think the very first one was like the smithereens and Grant Parker. There were signs in the office, on the elevator, in the, in the kitchens, you know, for audience members. You know, come down during your lunch, during the filming. And I remember going to a couple of those early ones. And, you know, even, you know, Elton John. I, I went in to see Elton John. I went in to see the Allman Brothers because they, they were looking for audience members. I was a fan of music. So I did not know Pearl Jam was doing this. I had no idea that what I was in for. I was just hanging out in New York City in my mid-20s with a bunch of, of friends and a cool thing. And I ended up at this thing that was about as cool as it gets. So, Yeah, it's kind of a, a story we didn't really touch up in the episode, but when Unplugged started, it was kind of like a stodgy kind of old person thing. And like Pearl Jam was a big part of kind of making it cool early on. And like they were one of the first like younger bands to do it, right? I, I believe you are correct in that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think that's probably right. And then, Look, a lot more established artists started uh, performing on that yeah. show, right? So, um, well, yeah. Correct me barely, if I'm wrong. The same the yeah. same night, Boys to Men played, right? And Mariah Carey did one, I think, the right before. Uh, I, I, honestly, if they did, I, I have no recollection. I, mean, yeah, yeah. I didn't see that. Okay. I mean, your friends, they, they, friends weren't into that. No, we were like hanging out at this Wayne's World party. I mean, <laughs> I, honestly, I you know. You know <laughs> When you're 26 years old and you got an open bar, you know, you're not thinking about, you know, much beyond that. And, uh, yeah, no, I had no idea that, you know, anyone else was using that studio or they recorded other shows uh, prior to Pearl Jam. I do remember it was late and you guys confirmed that on the podcast. Um, I have no idea what time we got out of there. I, I couldn't even tell you if I jumped back in a car with them or I ended up in a cab back into Manhattan. But, um, yeah, my memory of that night is, is is a little blurry, but at the same time, uh, a lot of memories came flooding back. Watching it again recently and listening to your podcast, and um, you know, I was listening to to the bootleg, you know, the rehearsal and then the sh- the, the whole show. Wow, what a <laughs> what a show! Really, just the energy. Um, and don't forget that, that you were right. The record had only been out for I don't know six or seven months at that point. I think a live might have been on air. Jeremy had been yet. Um, you guys talked a lot about Black, and I and I do agree. It was just probably my favorite performance of 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 the Unplugged. That song always kind of struck me. Um, that was probably my favorite song. I tend to 
tend to gravitate to, I tended to, and I still do gravitate to that song, that performance is just sublime. I mean, it really is incredible. And um, and Porch, I think you guys both said Black and Porch, that that performance of Porch is unbelievable. And, you know, when he wrote what he wrote, you know, the pro-choice on his arm, I thought back to, well, he had just performed a few weeks earlier at that Rock for Choice show. So this was still clearly top of mind for him um, and an issue that was very clearly important to him. So, um, yeah, so. Yeah, I was, I was actually expanding upon that, like the SNL performance for a couple weeks after that, he had the, the clothes hanger on his shirt. So yeah. another another thing that that, you know, he never let go of that for sure. What oh man, what was it like just watching Ed especially, but I would have to think the whole entire night you're just gravitating towards what Ed is doing because especially like you get through the first couple songs and you're like, oh, this is really good. But then, like you said, black is the one that just blows you away. So being that close and, and both John and I have, have been that close to the band, but not that early on, not even close. What like do you remember kind of like like just watching them and paying attention to them? The energy was what into the band, the energy of the band and the intensity of Ed's performance, I remember. Um, and that, that comes through in, in the video, right? In the performance that, that everyone's seen. Um, his intensity during Porch. Oh, my God. I mean, you just kind of want to bottle it up. It'll probably light up an entire city, the amount of energy he's, you know, just holding on to in that performance. Um, you know, I probably wasn't paying much attention. I was, you know, I tend to take things in more holistically. So I was just kind of just trying to be in the moment here. Uh, you know, don't forget, I, I had been with the record for, you know, six, seven months. I had seen him about six weeks earlier. I, I really just loved the band. I loved the record. And I was just trying to be in the moment to just kind of enjoy what was sitting in front of me at this point. Um, they made it real easy to do that, frankly. It was it, 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 but the intensity. And I didn't remember how great Dave was until I watched it recently. I thought he did a great job. And, you know, I, I heard the story about all the instruments. Those guys are unbelievable musicians. I mean, they did an unbelievable job um, playing those songs on those instruments. So uh, some of it's in hindsight, but just my, my recollection was just the energy in the room was great. The other thing that I that struck me when I was watching the video again, and I didn't obviously pick up on this when I was sitting there, was there were, you know, some of us who knew the music and others who maybe just knew a lie from the video that was in rotation and they were just kind of psyched to be there because of MTV. Um, but as the night got, you know, as as as, as the show progressed and as the you know, we got into the night, the crowd absolutely was a hundred percent won over. You can you can kind of sense that, and uh, that I remember the most. That the place was just going bonkers at the end. Wow, that's what I was gonna ask you about. Do you remember like either your reactions or to to a certain song or or any any like kind of buzz or people talking? Any reactions around you? Do you remember anything? Because you know we we don't see a lot of that. And I know it's a weird performance. Like they would do two songs and then kind of stop and like tune and commercial break and then come back and do two more songs do you remember like talking to anyone 
next to you and being like, just wow, like any reactions from anyone else in the crowd that you remember? Yeah, John, I really don't. Um, I mean, it's, it's a long long time ago. ago. Yeah, Yeah, no, I, I I really don't. And, um, what were you doing during those little breaks that they had? Like just, you know, I forget who I was sitting next to. Maybe I was talking to those, you know, the the folks on either side of me, just kind of taking it all in. I, I had started my career a couple years earlier in the concert business. So I was always kind of looking at production stuff right um so i was just probably looking at that i was also look you, you talked about it when they went into angie and they were kind of noodling around into dissident you know you just kind of focused on that and you're going wow that's actually kind of cool right you're just watching the guys and you're watching how they're setting up the next shot or um you know the band interacting with one another um yeah not not so much commercial breaks don't forget because they, they just kind of filmed um they would probably go back and edit it later but um yeah you know um yeah no i i I wish i i wish i could tell you that you know everyone around me was blown away but i i honest to god just i i don't recall anything talking to people in all likelihood i was probably sitting next to some of the guys that brought me out there um but i i honestly i just i don't remember it i mean i can see eddie in my mind's eye like it was yesterday on that stage in front of me, but I couldn't tell you who I was sitting next to. You know, you you mentioned it, and you mentioned before that you have uh, the bootlegs for this, where you can hear the rehearsals and hear kind of all all that stuff that you got to hear live in between uh, quote unquote commercial breaks. Do you remember? And obviously, in '92, you're not going to remember a little noodle in between songs. But did in in later years, did you ever go back to that bootleg? And did it ever pop into your head that, whoa, that was dissident that they did? Because this is something I like I had never heard. Like, this was something brand new to me. I I think you heard about it before, John. You obviously you you were the one that pointed it out to me. But I don't think that that has been talked about enough. Did you did you notice that and did did something click with you with that or or not, was it not until no no honestly I, I you know I probably just like fast forward over that in the you know if I'm if I'm listening to it um I didn't pick up on that until your podcast and I'm you you played the clip and I started singing along to dissident and I was like oh my god <laughs> we came back and we talked about it I was like holy smokes look at that so no, man, I, uh, you know, just kind of glad to be there. Honestly, I was just so thrilled uh, to be there. Um, yeah, no, nah, stuff like that just kind of probably. Of course, you're not going to know it at the head. time, but yeah, like afterwards or anything like But hey, look, that's why that's why we put it in the episode. So everybody can have that moment of holy shit. Like, yeah, they played this yeah. in 92. No, look, I, I seem to recall and I, I don't think my, my recollection on this is right. Because the bootleg has it as the first song of the sound check, Oceans. And I, I seem to recall walking into them finishing up Oceans in the sound check and then taking a little break and then coming back and, and opening with um, <laughs> But uh, look, it's like I said, it's been 30 years. Um, and who, who knows? I'm sure I'm wrong <laughs> in that regard. But the other the other song that I loved, and you guys can tell me when it came out, but you know, "State of Love and Trust" yeah. uh, on the on the single soundtrack. You know, I I love the Pearl Jam songs. Like, first of all, it's a great soundtrack, but I love the Pearl Jam songs on that. 
Okay. And for them to go into it was just, you know, my head exploded because I really, really loved that song. And uh, I thought they did a great job. And then to find out that, you know, there's there's a three or five second clip of me in that video. Um, Let's pull that up I, now. <laughs> so that, that was actually pretty cool. Um, that was yeah, in State of Love and Trust where that happened? Yeah. So about, I don't know, 13, 15 seconds in, lower right hand corner. Um, you see me clearly. Yeah, it's like wow. the craziest thing. Um, and like the single soundtrack didn't come out until June of '92. It wasn't even out yet. Yeah, so there you go. So there you Pearl go. Jam's always giving you something that you don't expect, like no. back then too. Like they could have easily just played every song from the record, but now we're gonna give some something that literally you've probably never heard before unless you saw us. X amount of times from (laughs) the summer of 91 on. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. No, that, um, yeah. How about that? That's, that's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, no, look, it was, it was a really incredible night. Certainly in hindsight, it was one of the, the, like I said earlier, um, I've, I've been to some really cool stuff in my life and that's definitely right up there. Um, you know, I was, I was really impressed that you guys put it in your hall of fame and, you know, pretty high up in that. So uh, I felt pretty good. I feel pretty. I feel pretty good about it now. But, uh, <laughs> honestly, back then I was just a fan um, who lucked out and ended up, you know, you know, at, at that thing, at that taping. And um, you know, I didn't see him again on that tour. I missed all of Palooza. I didn't go to any of those shows. I didn't see them again until '94. Um, um, so those were the only two: the, the LA Rock for Choice and the Unplugged were the only shows on that. Uh, on the 10 tour that I ended up seeing. And you know what? I'll take them after, after the show kind of while watching. And, and like we mentioned, they weren't quite there. They were still evolving. They were still getting to that. It was building, building, building. And obviously in May when it actually aired, yeah, they were starting to blow up there. They were starting to get big. Did you have any sense that night? And you must've, because you mentioned with the crowd that the crowd was all in. Did you, did you have any sense that they were going to get to that level? I, I don't know if I had a visceral sense. I, I mean, I, I, I felt that they would, right? I mean, I, these guys were too good to, to not, you know, get to that next level. Um, the, the songs were great. Their, their live performance was great. Look, I, I, I tell people all the time that, you know, I, I think Pearl Jam are the greatest live American band, um, maybe the greatest band out there now. Um, I, my caveat is I think Springsteen is the greatest performer. But I think Pearl Jam is the greatest live band. That's and, totally fair. And, and I've said that for, I don't know, 30 years now. And I've seen triple digits of Springsteen. And, um, you know, I have a lot of friends who, who are both Springsteen and Pearl Jam fans. So, um, but did I have a sense back then? I, I, you know, no. Nah, I mean, my 26-year-old my brain wasn't thinking like that. My 26-year-old brain was thinking... These guys are great, and I need to see them a lot. <laughs> I need to go. I just need to see more shows. Talk about the the energy in the room. Like that's something that we we don't get from the the video and the, and the bootleg. Like, what was it like? You know, when they came out on stage, what was the what was the room like? What do you remember? Um, look, mo- most unplugs are certainly the ones that I I was at. You know, it's it's kind of quiet when you walk in. There's a lot of activity. Um, you know, a little excitement, a lot of unknown. 
Um, you sit down, and, and, and you guys actually alluded to it in, in the podcast. Yeah, there's a producer on the stage just kind of giving you some stage direction that when the band comes out, you know, you got to cheer and you got to do that. And, and that's pretty standard, right? So uh, like I'm, I'm sure most of the people in that room were going to do that anyway. Um, so once we get past that and the band comes out and they start doing their thing, uh, as, as I said earlier, it kind of was a buildup, right? I mean, some of the songs, I would say some people probably didn't know because they were just maybe familiar with the band from what they had seen on, on MTV at the time, which was somewhat limited. But as the band, especially after the second song, right, Eddie's hat comes off, he's a little bit more animated. Um, it's unplugged, but it's a lot of energy in that unplugged. You know, there's, it kind of builds up and the excitement in the room builds up. And it actually, you kind of see it in the videos too, right, as you're watching. Um, and then toward the end, you know, I remember just people just going nuts. I mean, as, as much as you could, seated. It wasn't like we were at, you know, uh, Irving Plaza and going crazy at the stage. But, um, yeah, no, by the time it, it was done, I, I think the audience was, was, was drained. They were spent. It was, it was just, it, it was a, a real exciting um, way to end it. And you can kind of get that sense from when it started to where it ended that things were just building up. And um, great energy in the room by the end. I mean, you've seen the videos for, what, Rockin' in the Free World and, and Porch, too. I mean, there's some great energy in the room for Porch. So, um, yeah, so might have started off a little bit slow, but it definitely didn't finish that way, man. There was some great energy in the room at the end of that show. Oh, that's that's terrific. And honestly, thank you so much for joining us. The remarkable stories. You can't get these anywhere. And I'm sure in the past you've probably tried to tell Pearl Jam fans before and they're like, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, right. You were not at unplugged. But <laughs> if this is proof here, we believe you can. We believe that uh, you were there. You couldn't you couldn't have made that up. Yeah, he's got the ticket stub. He's got the I ticket stub. There's too. proof of the, the, the photo. Yeah, man, that's uh, that's about as uh, you know real as I can get thirty years down the road. But the fact that I still have that ticket is is that's, crazy in and of itself. Yeah, that's that's a that's a keeper right there. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Ken, thank you again so much. The stories were perfect, and we can rest easy now, knowing that we've spoken to somebody that was in the building that night. Well, Randy, yeah, John, you. guys, you got oh, my pleasure. This was a lot of fun. And, and, and I, Randy, as I said to you at the top of the conversation, um, it's great to be able to tell, you know, these stories to someone other than my wife and kids who've heard of a thousand times. So um, <laughs> listen, I, I'm, I'm glad you have played a small part in, in the podcast. I wish you guys great success and uh, I'll see you on the road and I'll keep listening. So thanks again. Thank you so much. So once again, like I got next to no words because they were all said and they were all heard and they were all beautiful. This is a once in a lifetime thing. I don't think, and, and off, you know, off recording, Ken told us that outside of the people that he went to that show with, he doesn't know one other person that was there. Like how incredible is that? Yeah, just a few hundred people, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm again. I'm with you. I'm just kind of speechless, like that it that it worked out, and that we got to we got to talk to him. That he reached out. That's that's amazing. Just like you know, to hear from someone who was there. It's like 
you know, you just want to touch him. Like, can I just touch you? Um, very, very cool. And thanks to him for taking the time. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's going to be one to go back to. For sure. Yeah. And look, I think the, this is, this was recorded a, a while back, but I think that the date that this is coming out happens to be the day that it got aired on MTV. So look, we celebrated the 30 year anniversary of the actual recording. And then what it was two months later that we got to do it here. So, I mean, just perfect. And honestly, if he got in touch like three years later, we would have done it then too. Cause this is a story that never gets old. You could talk about this for days. And honestly, if somebody approached us and said, Hey, I was there too. We would probably do an episode for them. That's how important this is. And like we say all the time, the most important thing about what we do is preserving the history and telling the stories. And that was a perfect example of both. And maybe the standard bearer. That was terrific. And honestly, thank you so much for listening in because, you know, you got to hear some really special stories. And for any Pearl Jam fan, for any casual music fan, I think that this is super important. So I hope you guys enjoyed this and we're going to leave it off because obviously this is in the middle of the tour. So we're going to be out. Well, I'm going to be out next week when Sacramento and Vegas go on. So make sure if you're at those shows, make sure you find me. I'm going to just be walking around. I'll probably have a camera on me and I'll probably take in video for everything. Look, I promised I was going to do a documentary and that I'm, I'm sticking with that promise. I bought the equipment and we're going to make this happen. So if you want to be a part of the documentary, if you want to be filmed and, and kind of talk about your experience with the band and talk about like the last two years and how it's been, then we want to definitely talk to you and we want to get all the information possible. And we just, yeah, we just want to hang out with everybody because it's been a very, very long time since we've been able to. So we get together at these shows and look in, in Vegas, I, you know, I think in Sacramento, I'm just getting together with a, a couple of friends for, for a couple drinks, but in Vegas, uh, there's a place called Level Up, and I believe that is where we're all going to congregate. So if if you're going to be in Vegas, you don't need a written invitation. Just show up and you know find us, and we'll gladly have a conversation and gladly in- invite you into the group because that's what we do around here. You know, everybody is welcome, and because we all share one common love, and that's for the band. So. If you are interested in donating to this documentary project, you can head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash live on four legs, or you can donate through Venmo at live on four legs on Venmo. But anything is greatly appreciated. And remember, we'll continue to do our reaction series to after every show over on Patreon. So if that's something you're interested, head on over there and you'll get our instant analysis, which has been great so far. That's all I got to say for this one. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already. And I miss you always. Hey, if you're subscribed, make sure that you stay tuned because next week is pretty big. Like we said, there's a lot of stuff going on and maybe something that you're not expecting to. So stay tuned. Thanks, everybody.
Together!